please buy everything that goes in that backpack. If you don't, we're not going to know how many pencils you bought or how many folders you bought, so we won't know what to buy next time. So um, at the end of whenever we get, maybe even next week, Brother Mark, maybe next week, go ahead and finalize it and send them down with them. Yes, uh, we'll talk. Gabriel's going to be instructing. Okay. Okay, well, and when, when we find that out, we'll have, we'll have to make a final adjustment on all of our pencils and crayons and glue sticks and whatever kids use nowadays. I don't even know anymore. Uh, I have an announcement, too, that I want to tell you guys. Um, when we talked about the carpet a couple of weeks ago, everybody was on board with it and everything. But now then, everybody's going to say, well, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? These people did not have 10,000 square yards of carpet in stock. <laughs> they had to order it. So it's on order, and it's going to be another three to five weeks. Now, when we get it in, you guys are going to know because we're going to start pulling the pews out of the auditorium. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted everybody to know because everybody says, well, when are we going to do it? I mean, I know some of you maybe thought that they had it and we get started on it, but that's not the case with that much carpet, special order, and everything else. So, uh, but we will. Pardon? I am not sitting outside on a lawn when it's this hot. <laughs> you can't you can't be in here. They're gonna be working in here. <laughs> this this room is gonna be empty. So but anyhow, um all the regular Sunday morning announcements there in the bulletin, please read those. Remember your prayer list, remember the missionary I mean the ministry options on the back of it and all the things that we have going from men's ministry to women's ministry. Um, prime timers, etc. Just get in on a part of that and come and participate, and you'll have a whole lot easier time coming to church if you come to the meetings and things like that because you'll make better friends, and then you'll say, "Well, I'm going to go up there too." And here we are. Okay, that is okay. I, I'm gonna, just for just a second. This is really unusual here. I'm going to. Does anybody have an announcement they want to make? Because we usually don't. Sometimes I don't get around to everything. Hey. Everybody, anybody, anybody but Robin have an announcement. <laughs> Go. So um, I've been gone, and so I haven't really been on top of this, but now I am. Uh, the Daughters Arise and Be Healed conference is September the 15th and 16th at Crossroads Cathedral in Oklahoma City. Uh, we've already had some women sign up to go. If we get our money in before August 15th, it's $60. If you have a student that is ages 12 to 24, it's $30. And we encourage you, if you've got young girls that you would like to bring with you, we welcome them. Uh, if you're as old as I am, then you get to go for $30. If you're six seniors, yeah. If you're 65 or older. And so... Um, we, need, we really need to, to know by August 15th if you'll either sign up in the back or let myself or Christy know because we'll have to get some hotel rooms. Some of us have points at different hotels, and so we're going to try to use some of those. Uh, and if money is an issue, don't let it be because uh, we will get you there and we will pay for all your meals, whatever you need, we will take care of that. And, and if you can't go, but you wanted to sponsor somebody else to go, you can do that too. Uh, 
So uh, we want everyone that wants to go, we want our young girls to go if they want to. Uh, we will take the church van up there so you won't be out any kind of gas or anything like that. And uh, we want to have a really good turnout. And if you know someone that would, might want to go with you that doesn't come to church here, they are, they are welcome. We welcome everybody. We want all the women that can to go. Okay, I want to say, and, and this is not a closed session. I make announcements, but I just make announcements that I know are out there. If you have something you want told, if you have a ministry you want to share, or you need help with, if you have time that you want to go help somebody else, you let us know, and we will be glad to make that known. But for what we're putting out, this is just all that we know, and but we will be glad to put out more. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. Okay, uh, offering time, Brother Ron, if you don't mind. And then we will turn this over to Julie. You sure can. Go ahead. Amen. Praise reports are always just as welcome as prayer requests. So if you've got something good to say, say it. Because, I mean, half the time I'm up here and don't have nothing to say. I'm, I'm making it up. <laughs> All right. Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the day. We thank you that we can come and have a good time, Heavenly Father. We know, Lord, that you are here and we are here to meet you, Lord. And we pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we pray as we... Take this offering that we will bless you in what we do and all that we say, Heavenly Father. And Lord, that everything we do is in your name and for your glory. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all get on your feet. One of these days is going to be a habit. and Y'all are just going to be up ready to worship before I ever get up here. Father, we just want to thank you, God, that we can come into your house and to freely worship your name, God. Father, we just pray that you just have your way in this service tonight. We anticipate great things in the name of Jesus. Some may say it's hopeless, must have never met my God. And some may say it's over, but it was finished on the cross. Some may say it's broken, but the healer's in the room. Some may say it's hopeless, but I know God's about to move. God's about to move. There's a miracle in the works. Yes, I can feel it. There's revival in the church. I believe it. Oh, yeah. 
some may see an ocean, but he's made a highway through. And some may see a mountain, but we've seen a mountain moved. Some may see a graveyard, but we've seen his empty tomb. Some may see a battle, but I know there's a miracle in the works. Yeah, I can feel it. There's revival in the church. Revival in the church. Oh, I believe it. Oh, I believe it. Reignite us, reawaken. Breath of God, come breathe again. Like the dry bones started shaking. All that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Eternity is waiting to see your church alive again. Reignite us, reawaken, breath of God, come breathe again. Like the dry bones started shaking, all that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Eternity is waiting to see your church alive again. There's a miracle in the works. Yes, I can feel it. Oh, yes, Lord. There's revival in the church. Oh, I believe it. Sing that one more time. There's a miracle in the works. I can feel it. And there's revival in the church. Oh, I believe it. Yes, I believe it. in miracles, Lord. We believe in greater things, God. When giants come calling my name My God is so much bigger than troubles I face Why would I 
hunger for power or riches or fame. My God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. And I won't be moved. Because my God is faithful. His promise is true. So I speak to the mountain. Oh, it's time to move. As my God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. My enemies scatter, because they know the battle is done. My God is stronger, the victory's already won. He died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Because my God is greater than death, hell, and the grave. And I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. Because my God is faithful. is true now speak to the mountain oh it's time to move cause my God is bigger better stronger greater than you there's no mountain too high no valley too low there's no fear that i have he doesn't already know there's no problem too big there's no weapon too strong there is nothing for god that's impossible there's no mountain too high no valley too low there's no fear that i have he doesn't already know there's no problem too big there's no weapon too strong there is nothing for god that's impossible i won't be shaken i won't be moved my god is faithful and his promise is true so i speak to the mountain oh it's time to move cause my god is bigger better stronger greater than you I won't be shaken, I won't be moved. My God is faithful, His promise is true. So I speak to the mountain, oh, it's time to move. 
you're wanting to do something, God. I feel like something with miracles. We keep seeing, talking about miracles. Sometimes we forget that even the little things that are mountains to us, God still sees them. And sometimes we may hold back on what we offer God and what we try to fix ourselves. Father, help us to completely submit ourselves to you tonight, God. Every problem, every worry, God, Every dread that we may be carrying around, God, I ask that you would just lift those off of us tonight, God. Father, help us, Lord, to release it unto you, God. Thank you, Jesus. understand me you understand me and come to me in the valley of unknowns you understand me you understand me you understand me God you understand me so I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. And I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. You and I believe, but help my unbelief. You understand me, you understand me. help me reach the faith that's underneath you understand me you understand me you understand me God you understand me and I'll throw all my cares before you my doubts and fears don't scare you you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. And I'll stop all negotiation 
with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Oh, you're bigger, Lord. And I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. And I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. So I throw my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. And I'll stop all negotiation with the God of all creations. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger, Lord, than I thought you were. Let's do the bridge one more time. And I will rest in the Father's hands and leave the rest in the Father's hands. Yes, we rest, Lord. Yes, we rest, Lord. Oh, we rest in you, Lord. Father, we just invite you into this place tonight. We know you're already here. Lord, we're reminded in the scripture that as we follow you as your sheep, that Lord, that you have placed us in your hands. Lord, when we give our life to you, we're in your hands. And you said we will never perish. It's a double negative. It means never, ever. And and then we're in your hands and you're in the Father's hands. That's our strength. So, Father, tonight, for whoever needs that, remind them of where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You're in the Father's hands. Um, all right, well, good evening. Thank you. That, I, I like these songs. I really do. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of James, chapter 1. We're in verses 19 through 25 tonight. I think the batteries are going to die on this. It buzzed me. <laughs> so James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. 
We've been looking at the, the book of James. We're in a series called Faith in Motion. The last few weeks we've looked at trials and tribulations, how the church had been scattered, um, about faith, asking God for wisdom during those trials. We looked at how God doesn't tempt anyone, nor is he tempted, but by our own evil desires. We looked at that last week, how our you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is what entices us, our own evil desires that are within us to do the things that we're doing. Tonight we're going to look at putting God's word into practice. And so verse 19, he says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is... Uh, evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study the word tonight in the book of James, Lord, I pray that we will put your word into practice. Father, as your disciples, you said that we can do nothing apart from you. And putting things into practice is producing fruit. God, help us to produce fruit in our life. Yes. With everyone, our family, our friends, those that we don't know, out in public, God, we want to be in the image of Jesus. Lord, we want to walk and people know that we belong to you. That there's something different about us. So, Lord, as we learn tonight about what this means, help us to walk in that truth and put it into practice. And, Lord, as your vessel tonight, speak through me. Do what you want to do. As Paul says, not with eloquent words or with prestige or with with charisma, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, you guys don't have a battery for this, do you? Yeah. Okay, because this, I think it's died on me. There's two batteries. But anyways, I got a clicker here. So looking at verse 1 here, or verse 19, uh, the first thing that we see is putting God's word into practice. What does James want his readers to do? Um, number one, he says he wants them to take note of these things. Uh, look in verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen. The first thing he mentioned is listening. Um, people that talk a lot, sometimes we have a problem with listening. Um, <clears throat> I got an amen. <laughs> you, you know, there's those talkers and there's those non-talkers. The great thing about non-talkers is they're better at listening. And so when they do say something, it's powerful, right? Or hopefully. Yeah. Us that talk a lot, sometimes we say a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <clears throat> the Greek word for listen here or pay attention means to perceive with eyes, to perceive by any of the senses, to perceive or notice or discern. Thank you very much, Rick. I think it's on. <laughs> Discover to see, to turn eyes, the mind, or attention to, to pay attention, observe. Remember, he's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. 
<clears throat> and James is trying to get the attention of his believers, of the church. And he's, he's trying to say, pay anybody ever do that with your kids? Pay attention. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I watched an interview with Scott Eastwood. Now, I like Clint Eastwood. Now, some of his movies I don't always care for, but some of them are good. And they, asked, they interviewed Scott Eastwood, and they said, what's the best advice your dad ever gave you? And he turned to him and goes, you really want to know? He goes, yeah. And he said, pay attention. <laughs> Basically, I said it in a nice way. He really did say, shut up and listen. But that's the same thing, right? Pay, pay attention. James is saying, listen, church, listen to what I'm saying. Everyone should be quick to listen. Talking is easy. Listening takes work. <clears throat> John C. Maxwell says this about interrupting others and not listening. He says, hear me on this. When you interrupt another person, you're effectively saying, what I want to say is more important than what you want to say. It may be unintentional, but when you devalue your, or invalidate the ideas of others, because you're too busy interrupting the train of thought with your own, you create a disconnect. As leaders, you can't afford those kinds of lapses. You need to stop interrupting. I've been trying to make a habit in my own life because I have an issue with this. Don't interrupt. It's hard to so stop your thinking and listen to somebody else's thoughts. Yeah. You know, a lot, again, I talked about misunderstandings a lot this morning. Misunderstandings happen a lot because we are not taking the time to what? Listen. Yeah. I am not good at this, but I'm getting better at it. <clears throat> when we interrupt others, we are putting our own interests above the interests of others. I'm sorry the notes aren't going. I couldn't get the clicker to work. Let's see if it'll work. Turn it off, turn it on. There we go. <clears throat> there we go. John C. Maxwell. Now we're where we need to be. When we interrupt others, we are putting our own interests above the other person's interests. Basically, we're being selfish. I'm selfish a lot. I'm working on it, right? Hey, I'm picking on me tonight, not you. But if you're laughing, that means you're picking on yourself tonight. <laughs> Look what Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8 says. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of what? Others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus thought of others before himself. In fact, I want to go to that passage, if you have your Bibles. <clears throat> oh, I hate allergies. Anybody hate allergies? <clears throat> <clears throat> Pardon me. You know, technology is great, but it's also good to have a Bible. One of these days we're going to lose technology and we're going to need to know the Bible. Yeah. I don't have this in my notes up here. Uh, actually, I might have it, but if you want to follow along in your Bibles, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. I want to read on, even though it's not up there. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this scripture, I love that Paul puts this in there. And we're going to look at this next week probably. 
But he puts us in there to remind us not to look at the interest of our own. We need to look at other people's interests. When we don't actively listen to them, again, we're being selfish. We're only thinking about what we want to say and what's on our mind. And active listening to God takes practice. When you pray, how many of you talk more than you listen? Have you ever taken the time to just listen to God and see what he says? And I, I've known some people say, well, I don't hear nothing. <laughs> God will speak to you. God speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes you'll get a nudge on the inside. We call the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You'll get these promptings, right? Don't go in this direction. Don't do that. I had a prompting a, a couple weeks ago. Look under the truck, and I didn't do it. And the result was my cat. There's those promptings that we need to listen to. An uneasy feeling. You know, have you ever had an uneasy feeling? Don't go in that direction. Uh, when I was uh, in high school, I had thought about joining the Marine Corps. I was going to join the delayed enlistment program. Of all the services I didn't want to join was the Air Force. I'm just being honest. I didn't. I wanted to join the Marines. I was a wrestler in high school, varsity wrestler. But the week that I was getting ready to join delayed enlistment program, I had such an uneasy feeling. And that's what you get when you're, when you're a born-again believer. The Holy Spirit makes you feel uneasy. And the closer it got, the more uneasy I felt inside. In fact, I was losing sleep over it. Finally, the Marine recruiter called. And we know recruiters, right? He calls, and my dad is there. And I said, I, I can't talk to him, Dad. You're going to have to talk to him. Oh, God, my dad's a godsend. The Marine recruiter's talking to my dad's wife. So, sir, did you, ever join, were you, did you ever serve in the military? He goes, yeah, I was in the Navy. The minute my dad said, the guy said, well, thank you, sir. Have a great day. Click. <laughs> if you know anything, the, the Marines are a branch of the Navy, but they don't get along. So I prayed about it. I said, God, what service do you want me to join? I, so I looked at the Army. Didn't, didn't feel right about the Army. I looked at the Navy because my dad was in the Navy. I was getting real close, but I kept talking to the recruiter, and I kept telling him. I said, I, I just want to make sure this is God's will. I, I don't know if I want to join because I just want to make sure it's God's will. And I remember him telling the Air Force recruiter, this guy is all about God. And I remember the week before I'd pray, Lord, if you want me to join the Air Force, give me a spirit-filled Christian recruiter. That week they got one, and that Navy recruiter came over to him and, and was complaining about me to him. And he said, quit blaming God for the decision that Marcus wants to make. He's serving the Lord. And I prayed that week. And guess what happened? I joined the Air Force. God opened up all the doors. All the confirmations were coming. So listen to the Spirit. When, when listening, it take, it's active. You have to work on it. Then he says this. Let's go back to James. Now understand, these three things I have to work on. I'm going to be transparent with you. These three things are things I have to work on. I went to Philippians. That's where my bookmark was from this morning. <laughs> Look what he says here. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak. So active listening takes stop talking. That's the hardest thing. Tell yourself to shut up, right? We don't say that word in my house, but I probably shouldn't say it in church. But I don't like that word shut up. But it's the truth, telling yourself to be quiet. There have been times I've talked even here with somebody, and I've had to say, well, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. The first thing is catching yourself doing it. 
<clears throat> the next thing is everyone should be slow to what? Anger. So again, he is speaking, and I really believe James is dealing with relationships here. Again, misunderstandings happen because we're not actively listening. We want to say what we want to say, and then what happens? We get angry. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> and all the spouses have had arguments before, right? I had a couple friend of mine say that they had been married for, I think I'd performed their wedding. They'd already been married for 10 years and say, we never argue. And I said, liars. Because <clears throat> we have something called passive aggressiveness. Do you guys know what passive aggressiveness is? You don't say nothing, but you act it out. <clears throat> you let that person know you're mad. You'll go to the room. I'm not going to talk to my spouse, right? You let them know by the way your body, your body has language. When I took speech class in college on bass, you learned that you have body language. I, I can read my kids' body language. You, you can read people's body language. Like this, right? <clears throat> you know exactly what that means. Or this, the rolling of the eyes. That's body language. You can tell how somebody reacts. Husbands and wives, you know your spouse's body language, right? Yeah. My wife, she's smiling at me. I'm not going to say nothing to get me in trouble tonight. <clears throat> she knows my body language. I know hers. So this all can lead into anger. Now, listen, anger in itself is not sin. It's not sin. Anger is an emotion given to us by God. So when does anger become sin? Well, let's read on a little bit. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry for man's anger. Everybody say man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger. Man's anger is I want it my way when I want it. Right. It's basically you're not getting what you want. When my kids don't do what I ask them to do, I get upset. It's because they're not doing what I want. And a lot of times it's really selfishness on my part. Again, I'm using myself as an example. When you're at Walmart, right? And somebody gets in line and they're taking a long time. Anybody been there? Yeah. And you're in a hurry. And it seems like you get the slowest person. Yeah. When, when you pray for patience, God's giving you opportunity for patience there. <laughs> <clears throat> and you got to be somewhere. What happens? Your blood begins to what? Boil. Anger is a natural emotion that God has given us, but when it's done wrong in man's way and not righteous anger, then it's sin. When we meditate, act upon, and foster anger, it's sin. Did you get that? When we meditate on it, we meditate on what that person did to us. We meditate on what didn't go right for us. You know, you can meditate on good things and bad things. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 says, Think on such things that are praiseworthy and, and noble and right and pure. Right? He talks about all the good things. But when you, when you start to meditate on negative things, as a man thinketh, so he is. Right. You start filling your mind with that, what's going to come out? Yeah. <clears throat> 
So when we meditate and then act upon it in a wrong way, now there's nothing wrong with showing somebody, hey, I'm angry. It's when you lash out them in a wrong way, right? right? We've all done that, right? right. <clears throat> Again, there are, there's what we call, uh, we call explosive anger and then progressive, uh, 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 passive aggressive anger. They're both two different types of anger. And they both can be detrimental. Yeah. Some of us are passive aggressive and we look at the one that's explosive anger and we think, oh, they're horrible, they're terrible people. When the passive aggressive person tends to be manipulative and think of ways how I can make, get them back. They're both bad, right? right? I think sometimes explosive anger is bad because it can really create a lot of problems at once. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. In your anger, do not sin. I like that. In your anger. You get angry. It's okay. Listen, I get angry with what's going on in our nation. I get angry with what's going on in politics. I can't mention what those are, but I get angry with it. It irritates me. Right? I get angry because of injustice. That stuff bothers me. When, when one person gets punished for something they didn't do, while the other person never gets punished. Again, you can ask me after church how I feel about certain things, and I'll tell you. <laughs> I can just say this, if I shared one thing of the, uh, any military intelligence, even today on certain things that I know, I'd go to jail. Right. I'm angry. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Right. The worst thing you can do is go to bed angry. Stewing on what happened. And James deals with this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice it says slow to become angry. He doesn't say don't be angry. He just says slow to become angry. <clears throat> One of the scriptures I have to use is uh, it's a, a, a man that controls his temper. It's better a man that uh, controls his temper than one who takes a city. <clears throat> I have to constantly remind myself of that. If you grow up in it, sometimes we're a product of our environment. Now, we can't blame our parents for, for, for what we do. But we can still learn some things from them that we have to unlearn. And you know, I grew up in a family where <clears throat> an individual in my family was explosive anger. So guess what I learned? And what do I have to work on constantly? You may look at me, pastor, not you. Yeah, we all have those issues. Some of us may not grow up that way. And we don't understand those other individuals. That's okay. But we have to work on these things. And do not give the devil what? A foothold. So you have an argument with your spouse, right? You get an argument. Don't go to bed angry. Work it out. <clears throat> Make sure you work it out. Apologize. One of the key things in a, in a marriage is, and I'm not, I'm, I don't have it all worked out. Some of you guys have been married a whole lot longer than me. And I could take some advice from you, but apologies. Admit when you're wrong. Right? Work it out. Talk it out. If you're still upset, go away for a little bit, come back, and then talk it out some more. But don't go to bed angry. We've always made that, haven't we? That we will not go to bed angry. Because what happens? You will give the devil a foothold into your life. You will give a devil a foothold into your family. You will. It'll cause strife in your family. You can sense it. You can see it. 
Look at this. David Gusick says, The new man may get angry, but he does not sin. The new man knows how to let go of his wrath, thus giving no opportunity to the devil. Bruce says this, Here it is suggested that anger can be prevented from degenerating into sin if a strict time limit is placed on it. Do not let the sun set on your anger. Then David Gusick again, the devil's work is to accuse and divide the family of God and to sow discord among them. When we harbor anger in our heart, we do the devil's work for him. And remember, he's speaking not just to individuals, he's speaking to the church here. Don't let anger build up. You know, Matthew, we call it the Matthew 18 principle. Anybody know what that is? The Matthew 18 principle? Matthew 18 says, go to that individual. If your brother has ought against you, go to them, talk to them, and if it still doesn't work out, take two or three witnesses with you. Work it out some more. If it still doesn't work it out, then you bring it before the church or before the leaders. Now, I'm not talking about in front of all of you, but I'm talking about the leaders of the church. You understand that, right? That's what he's talking about, to the leaders to help work those problems out. He's talking about within the church. If we brought it before the whole church, that might be a problem. But <clears throat> I got to make, make sure you understand what I'm talking about there. You bring it before the leadership to help you mediate that. Right. Uh, so, he's, again, he's dealing with anger, I think, within the church. Somebody upset you. And listen, we're family. Yeah. We are family. You, the church down the street that believes that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and believes in being born again, the Baptist church, they're family. The, the, any church that believes in Judeo-Christian values and believes in evangelicalism, believes that you have to be born again, it's not by works, believes that you need to, you need to be saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are family. Yeah. And families have arguments sometimes, right? Yeah. And not all family members get along. Yeah. I know that because sibling rivalry, right? There's, listen, my, my, my sister and I used to fight all the time when we were kids. Now we get along great. I think all, we worked it all out when we were kids, and now it's good. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be disagreements. Not everybody sees the same way. Right. That's personalities. We all have different personalities, right? Yeah. Some of us are happy-go-lucky and enjoying. Some of us are negative, and some of us are positive. And that's why we need the positive people to rub off on the negative people, right? Uh, it, it, uh, there are personalities. Everybody's got different personalities. Yeah. So again, we don't want the devil to work within the church and cause discord, nor within our families. Remember, your family represents the Trinity. Yeah. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Dad, Mom, kids. Dr. James Dobson did a whole thing on this. God is a God of community. We are community. Satan can't attack God personally, but he attacks what represents God. That's why he's going after the fathers. That's why he's going after the families. That's why he's trying to cause disruption within the family. <clears throat> what does James ask his readers to do? To get rid of these things. Let's go back here. He tells them to take note, right? And then he says in verse 21... Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. He says, get rid of all moral filth. The words get rid of 
comes from the Greek word, and I'm not going to try to say it, which means to put away, literally or figuratively, cast off, lay apart, aside, down, or put away. In fact, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, this is not up here tonight, but I shared it this morning. It says, it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's talking about, and that's the same word. It means to throw it off, get rid of it. So he says to get rid of moral filth. David Gusick says, this has in mind in an impure manner of living. In the light of the nature of temptation and the goodness of God, we are to lay aside all impurity, putting them from us. <clears throat> it's like the, uh, Chuck Swindoll said, you know we're living in the last days. And I shared this a couple weeks ago. In, in, in the old days, sin has always been around, right? It's been since Adam and Eve. But the church never accepted it. The difference today is the church accepts sins that should not be accepted. Something I see prevalent today within the church is fornicate. The word fornication means to have sex outside of marriage or to live with somebody that you're not married to. Yeah. Do you know the Bible calls that sin? Yeah. That's fornication. And we get the word, the Greek word pornea from it, where we get the word pornography from that. Sometimes when you mention these things, that's when it gets really quiet in the church. But those are biblical things. That's, That's right. God's word. That's right. Things that the church accepts today, that accepting today that I cannot believe we're accepting is the homosexual lifestyle. Right. But then we want to focus on that and forget about alcoholism right. or gluttony, right. which are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. That's right. Or swindlers, people that swindle people out of money. Yeah. You own a business. Do it faithfully and true and be right about it, right? right. You, you know, I'm, I'm just mentioning these different things that God calls us to live an impure, or to, not impure, but pure life. He goes on to say, all filthiness, the stinking filth of a pestilence ulcer. Sin is the devil's vomit, the soul's excrement, the superfluity or garbage of naughtiness, wickedness. As it is here called by an allusion to the garbage of the sacrifices cast into the brook of the Kidron. That is the town ditch. So the Kidron Valley, do you guys know what the Kidron Valley is? There's a, there's a, there's a creek that goes through it, and that's where they put all the refuge. And they put all their trash. <clears throat> that's what he's speaking of, the moral filth. And that goes with our own lives. We're going to have to give an account to God one day. The one thing is, if you're a born-again believer... And you can, you know, the first John one nine, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to be judged on what we do for the Lord. But if you're not saved, you're going to be judged for everything that you did bad. Right. So. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Is there evil today that we can see that's prevalent? Even within the church. You know, I preached on apostasy last Sunday. We're seeing it within the church. Again, I, you, you're going to hear this a lot from me. I believe we're living in the last days. You're going to hear this a lot from me. I believe that the apostasy starting. 
And we need to be the remnant church, the church that says, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to choose what is holy and right and live that before God and my family and everybody. Amen. <clears throat> Next thing he says is humbly accept the word planted in you or in us. Before I read on to that, I want to read a scripture here. Matthew 13, 23 says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understand it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So God, we humbly accept the word of God planted in us. The idea is that we have a teachable spirit and allow the word of God to be planted in good soil in our hearts. Again, that's that scripture I said, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So that means humbly accepting God's word. The hardest part for me to accept God's word is when God's dealing with me on something. Sure. Right? Yeah. How many of you like to be corrected? <laughs> I got one hand. <laughs> I don't, I sometimes, I'll, be, I'll admit it, there's times I don't like to be corrected. But how many of us need correction? Oh, yeah. This is not my notes. Hold your spot here. Go with me for uh, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Look what it says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? Righteousness, <clears throat> which means right standing, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. We want to be equipped in every good work that God gives us. In order to do that, we need to allow the Word of God, we need to have a teachable spirit, <clears throat> We need to be able to take a rebuke from the Lord and correction from Him and be trained. Yeah. Again, you know that the word righteousness means, means right standing with God. So God wants to make us more righteous. We're, our, we're righteous because of imputed righteousness, but God wants us to walk in righteousness. Amen. It's kind of like we've got imputed righteousness. Does everybody know what imputed righteousness means? It here, let me explain it. When Jesus died on the cross and He rose again, and he ascended into heaven, he imputed, he gave you his righteousness. Right. <clears throat> he changed your insides. He made you righteous. Right. That's why back in the 70s, you guys used to say righteous, dude, right? I thought that was funny, but anyways, I guess that was cheesy. <clears throat> but it's true. You can actually say that you are righteous because of what Jesus did. So if you're righteous on the inside, God wants you now to walk out what's on the inside and walk in righteousness. Does that make sense now? That's what he's talking about. Let the word of God that is God breathe. When you read the scripture, it is useful for teaching. What, am, what are we doing right now? We're teaching, right? I'm teaching. We're learning together. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking. <clears throat> God can rebuke us sometimes. God deals with us on issues. He corrects us. 
What parent doesn't correct their child? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm so sorry about my throat tonight. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, this is not in our notes. You're going to find with me sometimes it's not in my notes. I just go to it. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12, look with me in verse 7. Actually, let's start in verse 4. He says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Now let me stop there for a minute. Remember in the beginning of in, in James chapter 1, we talked about, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you be, may, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So he says we are to endure that hardship or trials as discipline. Now, God's discipline isn't designed to beat us up. God's discipline is designed to make us more like Jesus. How many of you guys want to be more like Jesus? He goes on to say, For what son is not disciplined, verse 7, by his father? If you are not disciplined, now this is important, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If you are not disciplined by God, then you need to check your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That's what he's saying there. He's saying if God's not disciplining you or dealing with you on something, I think it was Jonathan Edwards. I might have this wrong, so don't quote me on this. You can go look it up. But I think it was Jonathan Edwards. He hadn't been persecuted for a while for Jesus. And he was upset. And he got on his knees and goes, God, is there sin in my life? What's going on? Am I even right with you? And he stood up and a guy threw a tomato at his head. And he goes, praise the Lord, I'm still okay. <laughs> but it's the truth. If we're not disciplined by God and God's not dealing with us in a certain area in our life, we need to say, okay, where's my relationship with Jesus? Right. The wonderful thing about the Lord, and, and again, His discipline isn't designed to destroy you. It's designed to pull the things out of you to change you. That's right. Remember, you, you, again, you're imputed righteousness. You're right before God because of what Jesus did. But you still have this old mind that needs to change. Right. You got this old flesh that wants its own way. Yeah. And if you give it opportunity, it will have its own way. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. I like that. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't like getting spankings as a kid. I remember one time my dad made me stand at the wall because he would have us stand at the wall. My dad did it military style. We had to stand there just like this, looking straight ahead, our hands straight. And if we moved, he added an extra minute. He didn't believe in the minute thing that they do today. One time he forgot about us and we fell asleep on the floor. <laughs> my sister and I. It didn't seem pleasant at the time. 
But my, I can say for my sister and I, look where we're at today. Yeah. We're not running into cities and burning things and trashing things. Right. And I only bring that up because that's a lot, to me, that comes back to the parents not raising their kids right. Listen, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, look at this, later on, I love this. There's a result of that discipline. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness, a right standing, yeah. and peace. Here's the key for those who have been trained by it. Allowing God to work in your life. Yeah. So James says, we need to humbly accept the word. The first thing then is to receive. That word receive is a very instructive gospel word. It is the door through which God's grace enters to us. We are not saved by working, but by receiving. Not by what we give to God, but what God gives to us and we receive from him. That's Charles Spurgeon. Psalm 119, 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not, what? Sin against you. You get God's word in your heart, the Holy Spirit will remind you. Yes. You're in a situation where you want to lie about something or make something up or do something dishonest, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Yes, he, will. he will tell you, that's wrong. Don't do that. What does James ask his readers to do? Act on the word of God. Let's go here to verse 22. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Notice he says, listen to the word. He's speaking about when he's preaching to them. You know, the average, I, I've probably already went over your guys. You know, I think kids, was it like eight minutes or something? And then they're, they're do you know an adult, it's about 15 minutes. So the meat of it is in the first 15 minutes. If I can get 15 minutes in there, you might remember most of it, right? There's, there's times that when somebody will say, Pastor, what you preach on this week? I don't remember. And I should never forget what I preached on. And there's been times I had to go back, what did I remember? What did I preach on? It just goes to show you that we need to read the word, get it into us. And then when it's preached, hopefully we put it into practice, right? So what he's saying is don't just merely listen to the word. Go do it. You have to do it. That's discipline. That's being a disciple, acting on it. Again, how do we act on the word? Putting the word into practice is, one, a sign of maturity. But two, look at this. How do we put it into practice? We need to discipline. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what it says here. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, 
I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. This is the Apostle Paul. He didn't want to even be disqualified from the prize. Remember, he, he was, when he was chained in that, in that room that we were looking at, they believed that there was an outer track out there that was attached to that, that the, the athletes would run, and he could probably hear them, and, and they would get this reef. I mean, watch all those movies from the 50s. You know, they'd get that nice little, uh, 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 you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? A little, little leaf-like thing on your head, crown, I don't know what they call it. Uh, but that was something that would just die and go away, right? He's talking about the crown of life, yeah. heaven, relationship with God. Yeah. And he says, he, he says I, I discipline myself. Uh, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Yeah. We have to put ourselves into strict training. We have to work on it. Yes. We have to do it. Yes. We have to practice it. And we don't do it like somebody running aimlessly. Have you ever just seen some? Why are they running? <laughs> People don't just go out and run two miles just to run two miles. They do it because they're trying to get in shape, maybe a marathon. They have a goal. What's our goal? To be like Jesus and heaven bound, right? And he says, I beat my body. Your body, your flesh, and your spirit war against each other. Galatians talks about it. Right. They battle against each other. And if you feed the flesh more, it gets stronger. If you feed the spirit more, it gets stronger. That's right. So, <clears throat> the next thing is we fill our hearts with God's word. Remember the scripture, Psalm 119. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not, what? Sin against thee. Number three, we need to walk in the Spirit. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Let me, let me mention something. Just because you try this once doesn't mean it's going to happen. You need to practice it. I think some people think, well, I just, I heard the message tonight. That means it's going to work for me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, when I, when, I, when I was running track, I didn't just go out and run a, a you know, like an 800 I practiced for it. I, got, I built up endurance, right? I, I did those things to get good at it. Right. You know, I, 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 I usually ride my bike. I'm going to try doing that tomorrow. We'll see. But I already, I already marked out. Did you know that I love it out here in Oklahoma because in between each stop sign is one mile? Yeah. Uh, I was like, wow, that's right on. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I would ride my bike four and a half miles up and four and a half miles down. That's nine miles. Well, I have a tendency thinking that my muscle, if I haven't, rode my bike in a while, I think that I can still do what I did before. <laughs> I might be able to do it, but the next day I pull a muscle or something gets, I, I did that last time. I'm not, I pulled a muscle, but I'm not going to, it wasn't just in my hamstring. So you got to be really careful. You, you need to practice it. Take baby steps. You mess up, Lord, forgive me, help me to keep going on, right? So look what he says. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. One translation says the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Look at this. They are in conflict with what? Each other. So that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. 
Now listen, he's talking to Christians here. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. They practice these things that live like that. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's speaking to the church. That's right. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I like what David Gusick says. To walk in the Spirit first means that the Holy Spirit lives in you. First, you've got to be saved, right? Second, it means to be open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Third, it means to pattern your life after the influence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it all comes back to this, being filled with the Spirit. In John 15, and this is not in our notes, but John 15, Jesus says, uh, if you want to produce fruit, you need to abide in Him. Right. That word abide means in the Greek to continue in. Right. It means to stay in your relationship with Him. Yes. It's all about producing fruit. Right. You want to produce fruit? You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You spend time with Jesus. You spend time in the Word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in worship. In wrestling, we always want, the guys that won and did the best were the guys that used just the basics. The guys that used all the fancy moves would usually get pinned. It's true. It was always the basics. The basic moves. I, I, you don't know what these are. Some of you might know a double leg. Just learning the double leg where you grab both legs and throw them over and Turn around and get on top. Those are the basics. The basics of Christianity is what helps us. Yes. Prayer, right? James was known for prayer. In fact, James the just, they said he had calluses underneath his kneecaps. You can read in some of, our, uh, some of the father's writings where they talk about James and how he had these big old calluses that looked like kneecaps because he prayed so much. You look at all the great men that, that God used for the great awakenings. One of the key things in their life was prayer. Prayer is key to your relationship with God. Prayer is our communication with God. Prayer is the vertical. Why do you think the cross is vertical and horizontal? You remember I shared that a few weeks ago. Your, your vertical affects your horizontal. When your vertical's right, your horizontal will be right. The word, getting the word inside of you. And worship. God loves worship. What do you think we're going to do for all eternity? If you don't like worship right now, you better get used to it. Yeah. That's it. I'm serious. Yeah. Can you imagine what the music's going to be like when we get to heaven? I'll actually be able to have a pretty voice. <laughs> Listen, all those things, and, I, and that includes me. I'm right there with you. When I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself as well. God, help us to put these things into practice. Yeah. Jesus said you cannot produce fruit apart from him. Right. You have to abide in him. Yes. If you start abiding with the Lord, I guarantee you the fruits are going to come out. Yes. You. If you're born again, you got the fruits of the Spirit in you. Do you know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's right. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are those fruits. 
So you begin to tap in. It says, do not, remember the scripture I shared a few weeks ago? Do not, Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. God can deliver us from things if we will just let him. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. Do you know Jesus? Are you saved tonight? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you're not sure and you want to be sure, tonight's the night. I, I, listen, I know most of you are saved in here. I know that. But there may be one or two of you that you're not right with God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be in heaven with him. But it's your choice. It's called free will. He will never force himself on you. It's a decision that you have to make. Are you born again tonight? If you're not born again, but you want to go to heaven, you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die and you want to get saved tonight, or maybe you got to rededicate your life to Jesus tonight, and you want to do that tonight, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right. I'm going to ask those now, as I did this morning. The Bible says if you deny Christ before men, he will deny you before the Father in heaven. I'm going to ask those that raise their hand to come forward. And I want, to, want you to pray. Come on. You, you that raised your hand. <clears throat> and she just face me. Turn around and face me. You can do <laughs> it's okay. No, you can right here, Robert. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay.
video of that Aldi's. Remember where they had the glass doors right. with the COVID mask? And she talks about that. And Michelle Bachman, if anybody knows about stuff that's going on in our government, it's Michelle Bachman. And she discusses and talks about the digital currency that's coming and the digital identification that they want to bring to the United States. And I think it's imperative. Here's the wonderful thing. We still have a constitution. Right. They're trying to get rid of that. But I know a lot of this stuff that's going on just from what, and these are legitimate people. Michelle, Michelle Bachman's not going to lie about this stuff. They're trying to push a digital identification here in the United States. They want to go your digital currency. When they go digital currency, they can shut your money off like they did the truck drivers up in Canada. If you preach against, like with the, they, what I preached on tonight is considered hate speech today. Yeah. This is not fake. If they're really pushing this stuff. Right. ESGs, environmental social justice, uh, uh, governance is what it is, it's called. They want you to be woke. Yeah. Listen, I'm not afraid to talk about that in church. And we need to know where we're at biblically. So if you're interested, I want to know, because I don't want to show the video and, and you not be interested. How many of you guys would be interested in listening to that? And then what we're going to do is after we watch it, I want to have a, a discussion. discussion about it. Yes. We are living in the last days. The more I watch this stuff, the more they're pushing this one world government. It, it's not conspiracy anymore. Right. So if you're interested in, in that, then I'm going to show that on Wednesday. Okay. And then we're going to have a discussion about it. And then we'll get back to the typology of the pre-tribulation rapture. But I wanted to ask you that. So I'm excited about it. All right. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. What was that name? Michelle what? Michelle Bonkman. Son of God.